What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. Following a trip to the NBA Finals, the offseason wasn't kind to the Boston Celtics. Coach Ime Udoka was suspended for the season with Joe Mazzula taking over. Robert Williams had surgery, and he's going to miss the start of the season. My paisan Danilo Gallinari season ended before it even started for the Celtics. Um, And with the new NBA season nearing, I thought it would be a pretty good idea to bring in one of my favorite guys in the business and a pretty good Celtics beat writer. A great one at that, in my opinion. Pretty good. Wow. What a great intro. (laughs) We got to temper expectations. This is your above average podcast. Yeah. Yeah. My guy, if if you can't tell by the voice, it's Jared Weiss of the Athletic, my homie. Hey, yo. What's up, brother? I'm just here basking in the glory of my above averageness. <laughs> you're you're better than a mid level exception to me. Um, <laughs> I tell the Athletic to uh, extend you, um, just as much as I'm sure we're going to talk about Grant Williams's extension and. Uh, all the latest updates on the situations I outlined uh, in the open, but I'm, I'm glad to hear you're doing well, brother, and you're going to have a lot to write about. You've already had a lot to write about, but you're going to have oh, even God. more so coming up. Um, and, and I think certainly we got to get the ball rolling here with Ime Udoka. I had spoken with four NBA executives this week about the Ime Udoka situation in Boston, and each of those four executives told hoops hype they don't think Ime Udoka will return as coach of the Boston Celtics after no. his year-long suspension is done. I mean, I'm curious, first off, you being there on the ground day-to-day, uh, your thoughts on his future there, and then I want to throw some other things at you looking ahead, but let, let's start there. Uh, that's the consensus. Uh, I don't, and, and that's not... I, I haven't had anyone in the organization tell me they don't think he's coming back, but I feel like they're moving on with that expectation and that the reason for a suspension is is more about whatever legal processes are happening right now, whatever discovery they're still doing right now, rather than they genuinely want to reassess in the future. I, I, th- I think they I, – I'm sure that there is some degree of uncertainty about whether or not they would bring him back. I don't think it's like he's actually fired and set in stone and that's it. I'm sure there's some – there's some evaluation that has to be done at some point, but it seems so unlikely that he would come back. Yeah. I mean, I think certainly if the Celtics imploded this season, you know, that then, then maybe you reassess it in a different way. But that, that again, I, I don't know if that's going to ultimately move the needle or not. But two other questions that came to mind, Jared, that, that I've been brainstorming are one, is there a shot that he could be coaching somewhere else after this season? And two, what does this mean for the future of Jalen Brown, who was in trade talks this summer for Kevin Durant? You know, remember, Ime Udoka is fond of Durant from their time together when Udoka was a, an assistant coach for the Brooklyn Nets. Those were the two things that stuck out to me looking ahead. It, it, will he coach again? If he's not going to coach the Celtics, will he coach again somewhere else after the season? And And what, could this mean for Jalen Brown's future after being in those trade talks all summer? Well, I mean, Brooklyn is the most obvious uh, destination here for him if they if they want to keep that team together and want to move on from Steve Nash. And actually, honestly, what's really interesting about this is what if Nash gets fired during the season and Emay's the guy for that job? What happens then? Um, and maybe that's part of why he isn't fired yet and is suspended because maybe the Celtics would like to trade him. 
that would be really, really fascinating. But either way, I, I think as far as uh, as far as Jalen is concerned with this organization, I don't think Ime is going to make or break that situation. And I don't know if you're also kind of hinting at like trading for KD if that's still a possibility. Uh, if there, no, if they, no, I, I meant okay. more so along the lines of um, if that relationship, you know, is going to have any impact on it because it was pretty known that Ime is a fan of Durant and obviously with Jalen being in those talks, you're not going to put the guy in the trade talks unless you think Durant's a better player. Clearly they, they thought that even though it didn't get done, they were willing to move on from him if they could get Durant. So, you know, you've got feelings to manage there. Certainly. Yeah. I, I mean, is there anyone in the league that's going to be like, I don't like Kevin Durant. I feel like most, most, I think anybody in the league is going to be interested in making that deal. Maybe with what's unique about Ime is Ime is thinking, I know I can make it work with him while another coach might not be as confident. So that might be the only different variable, but I, I wouldn't, I, I didn't get the impression that, that Ime being supportive of them going after KD would change the way that Jalen feels. I think Jalen, Jalen understands that it's KD and at least like the only trade candidate out there or the only player that they were considering trading him for was the, you know, Kevin Durant. So it's not like, it's not like it was a Donovan Mitchell situation. Although that'd be funny because those two are friends, but I think Jalen understood why this was happening. I'm not getting the impression that he's like playing out his deal and then looking to go elsewhere. I, I think he's, I think he's in pretty, a pretty good spot with the organization considering, but it's there's an obvious dichotomy here where JT was not in the talks. JT is pretty clearly untouchable and JB isn't. And he knows that. I think certainly, you know, you touched on the nets as a possibility for Ime Udoka potentially at some point I've brainstormed on that. And I, I think it's a logical thought, but without more of the facts getting out from the situation and, and the legal process, as you talked about, I think it's hard to really say with conviction um, what could be his future looking ahead. Um, you know, with, with Jalen, I'm curious to see, and, and also for Jason Tatum, how their production is affected with Joe Missoula taking over. Um, and, and And with that in mind, Jared, I mean, you know, the Celtics have explored the possibility of adding another staff member under Joe Mazzulla. I mean, you saw the stuff with Jay Laranega, but, um, you know, one potential internal candidate could be a guy like Jarrell Christian. He previously was the head coach in the main Celtics, and he was an assistant under Scott Brooks with the Wizards for two seasons. Um, Christian just became the general manager of Boston's G League affiliate, the main Celtics. Um, just, uh, you know, I'd be curious to see what Boston does now after not getting Laranega and where they go from there if they're going to pivot and, and bring on an additional staff member in whatever capacity, whether it's as an assistant or another title. And the Christian thing is interesting because generally that GM role for the I'm still calling them the Red Claws. I'm not calling it the main Celtics. It's too confusing, right? The 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 GM <laughs> for Maine, that's usually not a full time position. Like before it was Remy Cofield, who was a scout. Uh before him, Dave Lewin, who was our scouting director, Austin Ainge. Before that, I, I'm sure I'm missing some in, in between. But this was always a a scouting, you know, higher level scouting department member of the Celtics was doing that as part of their job, which makes sense because like part of the job as the GM of that team is to manage 
moving people back and forth between the minor league team and the pro team. So, you know, especially once like you have your, your training camp roster set, which is going to happen at the end of October. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're bringing him in as a assistant to some degree, whether it's part of his job is to do advanced scouting. Um, you know, maybe he's serves some sort of hybrid role. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I haven't heard anything concrete or reportable yet about that happening. And let me know if you're hinting towards that. Uh, but it, <laughs> I mean, you did, you did bring up a name out of nowhere, right? But uh, it's it definitely is. A, if they're moving him out of the coaching role and into that GM role, that definitely tells me he's taking on some sort of role with the big league club as well. I, I, I will say I, I have not heard anything imminent yet, but um, I could see it. Let's, you know, I, I you would could just, piece those together and it makes sense. Yeah, I would I would put it that way. Um, I would say that um, they're looking, Boston's looking at a lot of different options at this point and as they should. Um, but with that in mind, I mean, Joe Missoula is going to be the guy that's the the main guy right now. And I'm curious. Well, first of all, what's interesting here is a little revisionist history, but man, imagine if Will Hardy didn't leave. Oh God. Like it's funny how the NBA works, but um, now it's like, what is the sense within the organization? I want to start with the players because clearly Brad has faith in Joe Missoula. He picked him over other guys on that staff like Damon Stoudemire, et cetera, um, to be the guy. So, you know, Brad's got the confidence in him. Jared, you're around the guys every day. You know, you've done plenty of interviews with these guys. What is the sense in the locker room around Joe Missoula and him being the guy? that is going to lead this team? I, I mean, there's been pretty good support publicly, and I think the big thing is that he's been there for a while, and they've they've generally loved him for a while. He's, he's had, whether it's a player's ears, whether it's other people in the organization, he's been that kind of rising star with the team. He was the only assistant that was held over from the Steven Suwaduka era. There were a few other people that got either moved up from a player development role or moved into a player development role, but he was that only full assistant that stayed on. And then this year he was supposed to be moving to the front of the bench. So it would have been, I think him, David Sotomayor and Ben Sullivan on the front of the bench with, uh, with Ime Odoka. So what's interesting about the timing here, when you compare it to Will Hardy, who is like one of the more experienced, but still, you know, still young assistant coaches in the league is that Missoula and Hardy were both, uh, they were both finalists for that Utah job. And the difference in NBA level experience and especially front bench assistant experience is a pretty big gap between those two. So it's not necessarily that Hardy is a better coach or at least will be a better coach long term. It's but it's more that just like who's more ready right now. You would assume that Hardy is more ready right now. But everybody's been talking about how ready Missoula is. Obviously, they're going to. They're going to talk positively because, you know, they don't want to set him up to fail. And if they're talking negatively about him right at the beginning, that's uh, that's really bad. So I don't think anyone's going to say anything negative. And honestly, so far with the whispers behind the scenes and people I've talked to behind the scenes, like I haven't heard anything negative. I've been hearing lots of positives about him for a while. So I think the players are pretty on board with it. I think they like that. Um, th- you know, they like him as the replacement or I should say interim, but we'll say replacement. Um, and I think that they like that it's someone that they've been around for a while and they, someone that they've been around in you know two different coaches, a few different types of roster constructions. Like Missoula has been around for a few different variations of this team. And so they kind of know how he'll be able to respond to a different scenario while the other guys were 
pretty. You know, most of the other guys were just brought in or just brought in. They've only been around the scene for one year. Any other reasons why you think he kind of leapfrogged from where he was to being a guy that vaults essentially to the head chair over some of the other guys that were other assistants under Ime? I mean, I don't, I don't think. I think it's mostly just that, like, for one, he's the one that has been getting more of the coaching interviews and was just a finalist for one of the jobs. So I think just his name has been out there as a candidate a little bit more strongly than the others. Um, and then also he's known as being like a pretty well-rounded coach in that like his praise, I mean, initially he was being, he was being praised for his player development work. And then the last year or two, it's especially last year is a lot more about his scouts and his, you know, gameplay designs or game um, game plan designs and things of that nature. So I think he just kind of checks off the variety of boxes that you want for your head coach. And also his demeanor and his approach is like pretty similar to Emay's. He's he's a quiet guy that can you know talk a little bit of crap, but he generally is more on the quieter, softer side. Um, you know, and Udoka was kind of like the quieter side too. And then he could, you know, he could drop the hammer when he needed to. So I think maybe Missoula, his coaching approach, it, it probably brings less change from Udoka than any of the other guys. Fair enough. And I mean, for Joe, he's going into the season, the start of the season without Robert Williams, uh, who underwent, underwent knee surgery. Um, you know, Robert Williams had previously said, um, it never got back to what it was referring to his knee and he dealt with, you know, quote, recurring problems. Um, but he didn't regret playing in the finals. Uh, like he said, you win some, you lose some. Jared, when you, when you survey your, your sources in Boston, what is the latest, if any update at all, you're hearing on Robert Williams and, and how, his return to play is going, and when we could potentially see Time Lord back for the Celtics. I haven't heard anything uh, indicating that there'll be an earlier time frame than the two to three months. And I know I just I just saw him walking around the other day, and he he's he's got like a, a single crutch under his one uh, what's his right knee. So under his I can't remember what side it is now but uh under on the side where the knee is he's got that one crutch that he's just basically just like using as a big cane essentially just to support his walking and he's walking pretty gingerly uh it's not like he's like full on limping but he doesn't look like he's putting all of his weight on his knee the way he normally would and that he's not you know doing full strides the way he normally would which isn't a surprise he just had the surgery so i think he's definitely got a ways to go before getting back out there and I would presume that they're going to go on the more conservative side about his, of his time frame because they just, you know, they've, he's already come back early a few different times in his career and the results haven't been good. So they, they gotta, they, they gotta take as much time as possible because if Rob goes down again for this injury, like you gotta worry about his career at that point. I would agree with that. I think for Rob, you know, you need this guy more towards the playoffs um, but I, I will say that I think his absence affected the way that Boston went about filling Danilo Gallinari's roster spot as well after the Gallinari injury. You know, it seemed like there were some rumblings out there about Carmelo Anthony before Blake Griffin, right? And Jared, this is my sense, and, I, and I'm curious your take as well, but um, 
one of the reasons the Boston Celtics targeted Blake Griffin was the team prioritized defense. Griffin was one of the league leaders at drawing charges. And with Robert Williams being out to start the season, Griffin can play the five. Offensively, Griffin can help with DHOs, those dribble handoffs, um, effectively as well. And like Carmelo Anthony would have been a fine stretch four, and he could have, in theory, replaced that role a little bit similar to Gallo. Um, but that wasn't the focus after the surgery for for Williams. Um, I'm told. So what is your take on why Carmelo Anthony is not a Celtic and Blake Griffin is at this point? Uh, defense. Um, and, and first off, I'm going to say, I think the charge thing's a little overrated. I think the guys that a lot of the time, the guys that lead the league in charges are doing so because they're not good enough to actually defend the shot. So they have to go take a charge. So I don't know if I would look at that as an indicator of great defense, but Griffin, I think, was the best defensive fit for all of those other vets that are out there right now because the Celtics do a ton of switching, and he was, I think, the only big that was available that has experience, a good experience that could actually switch. And also, he can play the four and the five. So once Rob Williams gets back and they don't, they don't have to have him at the five. They can still use him at the four. Uh, they also he also comp, he also complements Luke Cornett as another backup center option where he's a different type of player. So I, I think that Griffin will just have some versatility to fit into a few different roles with this team when he no longer is needed as that first five off the bench. But with him, I think it's really that he can defend on the perimeter. And I know that the lasting impressions, the last time that we, you know, we all saw him was him getting roasted by Jalen Brown, but that's Jalen Brown. It's in the fourth quarter. It's like you don't you're not expecting your backup five to be able to take on a, you know another star in isolation out of the perimeter. Like he is still a, a solid switch defender at the five in most scenarios. So when you, you know between that, between his just you know his savvy and I mean, he shot terribly last year. So obviously if he shoots decently, that makes him. I mean, hey, it could be a rotation player if he's shooting decently. But just the fact that he could be used as a pick and pop guy and that he knows how to do the dribble handoff game because the Celtics do a decent amount of that in their offense. He just fits the way that they operate a lot better than most of those other guys. Like DeMarcus Cousins was the only player out there whose skill set generally fit what the Celtics were looking for, but I'm not sure the rest of his game really fit. You know, it's interesting watching Blake um, last year. You saw when he first came to the Nets from the Pistons, he was rejuvenated. The guy was dunking again. Last year, to your point, um, pick and pop was not as effective. And that ultimately um, is what he's going to need to do offensively to be focused. And yeah, he could do those dribble handoffs as well. But um, I know we're talking a lot about Blake as a guy that, uh, you know, could play for the Celtics in the absence of Robert Williams. One guy we definitely know is going to be playing and have a major role on this team this upcoming season. He's a guy you've certainly spoken to before and, and done good work on uh, in some feature stories, Grant Williams. And uh, following the, the recent extension for Larry Nance Jr., I, I, I was talking with four NBA executives, and they told Hoops Hype that they projected Grant Williams to be worth between 12 to $13 million annually in any extension talks. Um, one one executive uh, told me for an extension now, he probably makes in the 12 to $14 million territory. Um, 
I think 15 million is not out of the question, but definitely on the high end. And it means they think he's going to be a starter. Um, you know, coming into camp, he's, I'm told Grant Williams is now at 265. In, in the playoffs, he was closer to 280. So he's certainly putting himself in position for a big contract season coming up. Um, when you look at Grant Williams's future here, and, and in the near future at that, because if they're going to get an extension done, the clock is ticking here before the regular season begins. What's your prognosis on Grant Williams getting an extension? And um, just kind of given the the history to Celtics, I mean, it, I think if my sense, Jared, is if, if he's in that 12 to 13 million range annually, they got to think about it. I think 15 million will get it done, but I don't know if the Celtics are willing to necessarily go that high. Yeah, I if I'm him, I wouldn't take under 15 for a few reasons. I mean, one, you just look at that that Nance deal where that sets the that sets the kind of like the bottom of his expectations cuz Nance there's a you could definitely debate who's better at this point. Nance does some things uh, on the ball especially better, but like Grant's shooting much much better than he is and Grant's defense was really good last year. So in the grants only what 23 24 like he's still really early in his career so the grant can is probably going to improve a lot more he's only been getting regular minutes for you know a little while now so he's got a lot more room to improve and the reg the preseason in that first game we'll see what happens on wednesday night's game against toronto but in that first game he was moving so much better with the ball in his hands like it looked like he is going to take another step forward this year but we'll reserve judgment because that charlotte team that night was like you know they definitely would have lost at Adelaide 36ers we know that for sure I mean that that team was horrible that night so let's see how he does against an actual good defense in Toronto but Williams if, if he's looking at all the other guys that are similar type of players who are much later in their careers getting money that's probably close to what the Celtics are offering at this point I don't see why he takes that just because of his youth and the opportunity he has this year where he might start to start the season he, he might be a starter for a while, and then at the very least, especially with Gallinari being out for the year, it looks like, he's going to be a major factor on this team. He's going to be their you know sixth, seventh man again, and probably will get even more minutes this year. So Grant has so much opportunity to play a lot of minutes and to put up more counting stats and actually average over 10 points a game, get over six, seven rebounds a game, and actually put up the kind of counting stats that will make other teams feel like they would be able to get away with giving him a bag and the fan base not going like, you know, why are you giving this much money to someone who averages seven points a game? So especially with the way of the caps going up over the next couple of years, I really think that anything under 15 is probably a non-starter. If he believes that he's going to stay healthy and have the opportunity, that, that's a big thing is like Rob Williams is getting what, like 12 and a half or so with all the, with the incentives factored in. And like he, as promising as Rob was when he got that extension, there was also major health concerns, which have continued to prove themselves to be an issue while Grant's been completely healthy his whole career. So, I mean, his durability has got to be a pretty big factor here. I would agree with that. I think certainly he's in a position where he can bet on himself. Um, you know, you look at other guys that have gotten new deals, Larry Nance, Robert Covington type of players. You know, you mentioned guys that are older. Um, that's certainly a, a factor in that. Yeah, the cap is going to go up, projected to go up pretty high at that. Um, and there's going to be more teams with cap space. And, you know, even though he would be potentially a restricted free agent, 
Uh, that didn't stop BDA from getting DeAndre in an offer sheet. So, um, you know, I, I'm not saying he would get a max offer sheet, but I'm saying, you know, over the years, Jared, over the off seasons, we've seen it be a little bit of a struggle for guys that are restricted free agents to get an offer sheet unless they're doing a sign and trade. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. I do think he's in a position to bet on himself. Again, I think if Boston can do 12 to 13, I think they would strongly consider it. I agree with your assessment. 15 would probably be more along the lines for, for Grant Williams, uh, ideally for him. Um, other than that, I, I'm trying to think anything else Celtics wise, you want to kick around any, uh, early Malcolm Brogdon thoughts, any, anything else that's been on your mind as you are engulfed in uh, Celtics galore? Yeah, I mean, the most, obviously the two most interesting things for how this team changes this year is like, one, how do things go when they eventually have some sort of losing streak? And, you know, how does Joe Missoula handle that? How do the players handle that? And then the, I think the second thing is, do they end up changing the shape of the roster considering they have three combo guards right now? And so, I'm really interested to see how they use White, Brogdon, and Smart together, whether they're going to play small a lot of the time. We saw them go, you know, they, they went with White early, had Brogdon come in as a six-man. Took Brogdon some time, but especially once he really got out there with the second unit and started really running things, he had like nine dimes in that first game against Charlotte. So, you know, we'll see how, excuse me, we'll see how it looks against Toronto, but pretty optimistic about how much better this team can be I guess at the end when they're fully healthy with Brogdon being out there to run the second unit. I mean, that's, it's just such a huge difference between what they were doing before trying to survive those gaps between when all the J's were, when the two J's were out there on the floor. It's just, they're just so much better offensively if they have a legit point guard out there running everything. I'm equally optimistic about your coverage this season for the Celtics. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go from above average to very good. We're going to go to, okay, listen, you always got to give something to strive for. You can't come out, you know, you, you're striving for championship excellence, right? You know, you can't come out given five-star ratings this, this early. It's, it's plenty of time, you know, we're all, we're all in our preseason uh, mode, you know, even going back in the locker rooms and, and getting the feel again for going up to a guy and, uh, getting an interview and asking questions and whatnot, but I am looking forward to your work, brother. Uh, appreciate you as a brother and a friend, and I thank you for coming on the pod. Always a, a pleasure. I I appreciate your insight, and I'm sure that the listeners did as well. So thanks again, my man. They better appreciate it. I'm putting my heart and soul into this. <laughs> you did. I I I can I can feel it. It's like no, play, uh, but thank thank you, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, you put your heart and soul into it like uh, like my mother's cooking. I love it. Um, also want to thank everyone else for tuning in. And if you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside Podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members such as Jared Weiss, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Jared too. He's at Jared Weiss NBA. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.